always love hearing Harvest stories. It really demonstrates that God's Word works. I look forward to hearing your Harvest story and seeing what the Holy Spirit does in your life when you work the Word. Let's bow our hearts together, please, and pray. Father, I thank you that in these next few moments that you so grip our hearts with the power of Scripture that we would passionately and persuasively live our lives in a way that honors your word. I ask you this in Christ's name. Amen. I want to just bring before you this topic, the four laws of sowing and reaping. Spiritual laws and spiritual principles have been instituted by God himself. And I love the fact that when you start using the word of God and the principles behind spiritual laws, no matter who you are, where you are, or what's going on in your life, God's word works. I want you to look at Galatians 6 and verse 7. What we'll learn from that passage of scripture is this. The law of sowing and reaping simply tells us this. Whatever you sow, that's what you're going to reap. You want to reap friendliness from people? Sow friendship making. You want to reap encouragement? Sow encouragement. Like Anne C. Rowe, her harvest story, you want to reap finances? Sow money. I want you to now see what Paul says. Galatians 6 verse 7. The apostle says, Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh, from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit, the Holy Spirit that is, from the Holy Spirit will reap eternal life. So what we're seeing clearly is that God says, I'm never going to be mocked. In other words, the principle of sowing and reaping is just as sure as the principle of gravity, the principle of buoyancy, the principle of sowing and reaping, it's intractable. It can't be reversed or suspended. Whatever a man sows, that will he also reap. Let me see what Paul has to say to the Corinthians on the same principle. 2 Corinthians 9 verse 6 says, Remember this, the person who plants a little will have a small harvest. But the person who plants a lot will have a big harvest. Each of you should give as you have decided in your heart to give. You should not be sad when you give, and you should not give because you feel forced to give. God loves the person who gives happily. Paul is telling us that we must be mindful of this. Next year's harvest is based on this year's seed. What do you want to reap in your life next year? Consider planting seeds towards that this year. This is something that's sure. This is something that is guaranteed. God says, I'll never be mocked. Whatever a man sows, that will he also reap. And so I want you to recognize that. One of the things our ministry wants to reap is a harvest of souls. So at the top of 2022, we're launching two new campuses. 
One's in the Poconos. This is not for vacation. And the other's in Clifton, New Jersey, just 22 minutes north of our Montclair campus. And so our heart is to see these respective communities impacted for the kingdom of God. We have members that come from the Poconos to the Rockaway campus, and we have members that live right in the Clifton region, which is Passaic County, and they come right to, you know, to the Montclair site. And so what we're saying is that what would happen when we launch these new campuses and the communities are enriched and impacted because people would just go to a very close location to hear the gospel and experience the transformation. I want you to see that God is going to do something great. Now, for this to be a reality, come the weekend of December 5th, I'm going to stand before you like I am right now. And I'm going to ask you to plant a generous financial seed in the ministry of Christ Church. On a practical level, it'll underwrite the launching of these two new campuses. On a spiritual level, it will be seed that you're sowing for your next year's harvest. I want you to imagine with me for a moment. What would happen if we collectively, our online campus, our Montclair campus, our Rockaway campus, if everyone who calls Christ Church home planted a generous seed and when we collected everything, it amassed a million dollars? Man, we would be able to launch these, new two, these two new campuses with great style and great success. Here's what I also want you to imagine. Imagine with me the harvest that you and we will collectively experience because Jesus' math says that when we plant, we receive a harvest 30, 60, 100 times. Go through the math 100 times $1 million seed is a $100 million seed. I'm not guaranteeing it. All I'm saying is imagine the financial harvest that you'll receive by planting a generous seed. That said, let's now unpack this principle because I want us to realize that we need to really learn more about sowing and reaping. But think about what Psalm 126 and verse 5 says. It says this, when people went out to plant their seeds, they were crying. But they will be happy when they bring in the harvest. Why were they crying? Because a lot of people don't like to plant, but everybody wants to reap. And so when I think about how can we plant a collectively a million dollar seed, don't cry. Think about the harvest of souls and the harvest of resources that God will return to us because we plant a generous seed. As we get ready to launch a new campus, I'm going to ask you to consider something else. We are also gathering and forming a launch team. A launch team for the Poconos campus and a launch team for the Clifton campus. Launch team, as you can see on the screen in front of you, are people that are rolling up their sleeves and saying, we want to work. We don't want to just be spectators. And so if you live in the Poconos area, consider being a part of the launch team and register today. If you live within the Clifton area and you want to be a part of this launch team, we'll train you, but we need you to register today. We're setting aside December and the top of January as training times to make sure you as a member of our launch team are thoroughly trained so we can do a great work for God. So I want you to know 
That's behind us now. What we've learned already is that the principle of sowing and reaping says, whatever you sow, that will you also reap. Now, I'm rubbing my hands together because I'm not going to look under the hood. I, I want to really be a, be a thinker. How does this principle, this law of sowing and reaping really works? Well, there are four laws under that principle of sowing and reaping. And I want to unpack them with you today. Law number one, we reap because we sow. The farmer only has a right to expect a harvest after he or she has first planted. You cannot circumvent or avoid the principle that whatever you plant is what you're going to reap. If you don't plant, you, don't, you can't expect to reap. You haven't planted anything. It's like going to the bank and trying to make a withdrawal and you don't have a bank account. You've never put any money in the bank and then you're saying that I want to withdraw. That is called being a thief. That's when you're, you're there with a mask, <laughs> you're with a gun, and you're robbing the bank. You can't do that. Law number one says we reap because we sow. In other words, our needs are met through our seeds. Say that with me, please. Our needs are met through our seeds. Let's personalize that. Say this with me. My need is met through my seed. I want to show it to you in the scriptures. Genesis 26 and verse 12. To set up this little passage, Isaac was experiencing famine. That's what verse 1 tells us, that there was a famine in the land. But yet he did something. Verse 12 says, Then Isaac sowed in that land and reaped in the same year a hundredfold. The Lord blessed him. The man became rich and continued to prosper until he became very wealthy. Now, as you know, Isaac was one of the patriarchs. In fact, he was the son of Abraham. Watch this. Isaac did not reap because he was Abraham's son. He reaped because he sowed. Isaac did not reap because of an entitlement perspective. Isaac reaped because he sowed. In other words, Isaac didn't reap because God felt pity for him. He reaped because he sowed. I want us to be very clear on this, that God does not respond to pity or privilege, emotions or entitlement. God only responds to the principles found in his word. And what we're learning is this, we reap because we sow. And that's exactly what Isaac did. Isaac sowed and reaped. He would not have reaped unless he first sowed. Ecclesiastes 11 and verse 4 points this out. If you worry about the weather and don't plant seeds, you won't harvest a crop. Again, we're reminded you reap because you've sowed. I want you to see that. Now, in our nation, America, there are two extremes theologically when it comes to the topic of sowing and reaping. And I must point it out. Why? So that you don't get trapped in the vortex of living in either extremes, the prosperity gospel or the poverty gospel. Both extremes are wrong, 
Both extreme extremes will create a lot of pain. Both extremes will cause you to fall into a trap of confusion. May I clarify by giving you where those extremes are so you can learn to avoid them. The prosperity gospel makes you believe that you're entitled to much. You reason I'm a king's kid. Everything goes well with me and should go well for me. Wrong. The poverty gospel makes you believe that you're entitled to little. You reason I'm poor and undeserving of anything significant. So I don't I I don't want to believe God for anything big because I'm not supposed to. Wrong also. The prosperity gospel fosters a thinking pattern that lacks discipline. You reason, I don't have to budget. I don't have to live within my means because God's going to meet all of my needs and do everything that I want. Wrong thinking. The poverty gospel, it makes you believe that you lack destiny. You reason, I'm a victim of circumstances. I'm a victim of my birth. I'm a victim of the, as to what has gone on in my life, and, and, and I can't change that. That's also wrong. God doesn't dictate your future based on your past. We must be mindful of that. Here's another trap. The prosperity gospel fosters a thinking that results in you having wrong priorities. You reason that my priority is about financial gain, financial success, is about me. Wrong. You don't think about the kingdom. It's not about you. It's about God's kingdom. The poverty gospel is equally wrong. It makes you form the wrong perspective. You reason, God is not concerned about my earthly needs. Poverty is next to godliness, you reason. Though that's not in the Bible, you think that way. God is incorrectly viewed if you espouse the poverty gospel mentality. Here's another pitfall. The prosperity gospel fosters a thinking that fuels greed. You just find yourself wanting more and more and more. The poverty gospel fuels grief because you inadvertently grow in feeling sorry for yourself and never dream for a better tomorrow. So I want you to recognize that the poverty gospel, it invalidates the generosity and the goodness of God. The prosperity gospel fosters a thinking that distorts Scripture. It exaggerates God's promises. It eliminates God's God's prerequisites. Equally dangerous is the poverty gospel because it dismisses Scripture. It ignores the magnificent promises of God's blessings and how the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. So don't camp out in the prosperity gospel and don't camp out in the poverty gospel. Both are extremes. Both are dangerous. Where should you camp out? A healthy tension right in the middle where you rightly divide the word of God. But what we're learning about the four laws of sowing and reaping is law number one, we reap because we sow. May I now bring you to law number two? We reap what we sow. Seeds are planted in every area of life. Your seeds are your thoughts, your words, your action. You think of yourself as a loser. Guess what? You'll become a loser. You think of yourself as someone who is a follower of Jesus that enjoys Christ. Guess what? You'll become and grow into a wonderful disciple that, that is a magnificent example of Jesus. I want you to see your seeds dictate your harvest. And so law number two is we reap what we sow. Jesus made that plain. In Luke 6 verse 37, listen to what Jesus said. 
Stop judging and you will never be judged. Stop condemning and you will never be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. Notice what he's saying now. This is still the law of sowing and reaping, mind you. This is pointing out now that second law. You reap what you sow. Jesus says, stop judging, which means stop being judgmental. Because when you're being judgmental of others, judgmentalism from others will 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 be your harvest. Jesus says, do not condemn. It means do not repeatedly, consistently rush to condemn others. Why? Others will repeatedly, consistently rush to condemn you. In other words, you reap what you sow. Then Jesus added these words. Forgive, and you'll be forgiven. In other words, you reap what you sow. And he's telling us then, our thoughts, our words, our actions, they're seeds. And so you must be intentional about what you're doing. Because we can unintentionally, unintentionally and unconsciously plant seeds, and we reap this harvest that's very painful, and we don't realize it. So I want us to be very mindful of what we're sowing. And the principle of sowing and reaping, it's not just when it comes to relationships. And it's not just when it comes to treatment and interpersonal relationships. It's also in the arena of finances. Listen to what Jesus says in Luke 6, 38. If you give to others, you'll be given a full amount in return. It will be packed down, shaken together, and spilling over into your lap. The way you treat others is the way you will be treated. So Jesus is telling us here that there is authority, biblical authority, scriptural foundation to when you sow finances, you reap finances. I was ministering in one of the poorest areas of Africa, Nakuru, Kenya, the northern part, about three hours north of Nairobi, the capital. And before I got up to preach, the pastor was just recounting to his congregation how God was able to use them to build a 10,000-seat sanctuary. So I'm sitting in this 10,000-seat sanctuary, and it's packed. And he said this. He said, congregation, do you remember when we started the building fund and we said we needed to build a 10,000-seat sanctuary because what we had before, the 3,000-seat, we couldn't have enough services to meet the needs of people. People nodded their heads up and down to say, yes, I understand. Do you remember when I asked you to give gifts and collectively you guys were saying, pastor, go to America and get the money. Now the pastor frequented America regularly in ministry. So they think America is the place of opportunity. America, there's money on the streets. Just go to America and preach and they'll give you big money and you come back with the big money and you build a big building. And the pastor said this to his congregation. Do you remember what I told you? If the Americans pay for this sanctuary, the Americans will get blessed because whatever you sow is what you're going to reap. If we, if we sow seeds towards our own sanctuary, God's word will work for us, even us as Africans. We will get blessed. There was a hush that just washed over the congregation because they recognized that God does not discriminate. 
and his word works for everyone. So don't you dare say that you don't have enough. Don't you dare say that this word is not for you. Next year's harvest is based upon this year's seed. What is it that you need from God? I'm not saying that God is a Santa Claus, but what I am saying is that God has given us his word that says, whatever a person sows, that will he also reap. You need to learn that the laws of sowing and reaping, it works just for you. Law number one says, we reap because we sow. Law number two says, we reap what we sow. May I now introduce to you law number three, which says, we reap more than we sow. See, the law of multiplication goes to work when you sow seeds. Jesus said seeds produce a harvest 30, 60, and 100 times what was sown. Jesus taught that the condition of the soil affects the harvest. In other words, the famous parable, the parable of the sower, found in Matthew 13, it really captures for us that we need to work on the soil of our heart, that when we plant seeds, the soil of our heart is so rich and fertile that the seed germinate and grows and becomes a wonderful harvest that we and others can enjoy. In fact, let me remind you of the parable of the sower. Matthew 13, verse 3. Then Jesus used stories to teach them many things. He said, A farmer went out to plant his seed. While he was planting, some seed fell by the road, and the birds came and ate it all up. Some seed fell on rocky ground where there wasn't much dirt. That seed grew very fast because the ground was not deep. But when the sun rose, the plants dried up because they did not have deep roots. Verse 7. Some other seed fell among thorny weeds, which grew and choked the good plants. Some other seed fell on good ground, where it grew and produced a crop. Some plants made a hundred times more. Some made sixty times more. And some made thirty times more. Let those with ears use them and listen. Imagine if you were there when Jesus was teaching this parable. He's in essence saying that your heart, your soil, represents one of these four types of soils. One of these four types of hearers. If it was the hardened path, it means that you lack understanding. This is not you now because I'm teaching you God's word. So dismiss that because that's not you. The second type of hearer is rocky soil. They lack deep roots. The moment the word hits the heart, there are rocks there. Rocks represents habits, behavior, patterns that are destructive. In other words, you may be a rocky soil because in a few days we're going to experience Black Friday. Big day of sale. You're going to have to play, face a choice. Will you take your seed and buy a bigger TV? Or will you take your seed and buy a bigger harvest in regards to a campus in, in the Poconos and a campus in Clifton, New Jersey? So the seed that you have, it's going to be based on your heart. If I were you, you don't need a bigger TV. You just need a bigger heart. 
Let Black Friday keep on going. You've been living without a bigger TV. You're not dead. You're alive. The third type of soil is the thorny soil. That's the soil that the worries of life, the deceitfulness of riches, it chokes out the word. And I want you to know that when you hear God's word, you have to say, I'm going to use my faith to trust God so that my worries don't choke out the word, but my faith in God chokes out the worries. That's what you need to do. And then Jesus said the fourth kind of soil, the good soil. That's the kind I want to be. That's the kind you want to be. And I believe that's the kind we can become so that when the word gets in our hearts, it germinates and grows and a wonderful harvest occurs. May I say to you that what God is calling you to do and me to do is that we must learn this third law. We reap more than we sow. And if you've never invited Jesus into your life, you need to do that. Because Jesus has a way of turning a hardened, sin-filled heart into a fertile heart of discipleship, and we love to follow him. He turned my atheistic heart into a devoted follower of, of himself. Why? Because I needed to be forgiven of my sin. At the end of my teaching, I'm going to ask you to give Jesus your heart and let him take your sin and change you and he can do that but i'm talking about this third law we reap more than we sow luke 6 verse 38 says jesus said give and you'll receive you'll be given much pressed down shaken together and running over it will spill into your lap the way you give to others is the way God will give to you. I remember the first time I sowed a seed of a car into a family's life. The car was valued perhaps about $10,000. Before I gave it to them, I took it to the mechanic and made sure I said, fix everything that's wrong. I don't care what it may be. And when I gave them that car, I had it detailed inside and outside. Why? I wanted to do my best. There was a family in need. And I was sowing a seed of helping them, giving them a car with the certificate of ownership. And I paid for the first three months of insurance. Why? You may say, well, because you have the money. No, I have the heart. Giving is not about money. Giving is about heart. And so the issue is that when you sow generously, you'll reap generously. Take one apple and take one seed of an apple. The agronomist tells us that one apple seed yields on average a thousand apples per season. Some apple trees live over a hundred years. So if I use apple math, which not apple the company, but apple the fruit, if I use, uh, both will give me big money <laughs> and both will yield big harvests. But I'm talking about apple the fruit. And if I take one apple, one apple seed, translate it and project it forward to 100 years of its life, one apple seed 
creating one apple tree, yielding a thousand apples per season, living a hundred years, generates a hundred thousand apples. Can you imagine that apple math? One apple seed translates to over a hundred thousand apples. That's what we need to recognize when we sow into God's kingdom and God's economy, that we reap more than we sow. May I now bring you to the fourth law of sowing and reaping. Already we have learned law number one, we reap because we sow. Law number two, we reap what we sow. Law number three, we reap more than we sow. And now this fourth law is critical. We reap later than we sow. You have to understand, you can't expect to reap right then. When I was a boy, I was around 11 years old, I went with my dad to the hardware store. And he bought various tools and items that he needed. And when we got to the cash register, you know, a lot of these hardware stores, back then at least, I won't tell you, but it's way back then, they have these little packets of seeds. And they would cost about 25 cents, sometimes a dime. And I was reading the packet, and it had sunflower seeds on the packet. And I flipped it over, and it says, these sunflower seeds, you plant them, and in about six to eight weeks, it'll have sunflower plants about six feet to even 10 feet in height. <laughs> I said, these things, this lying, it's not true. So here I'm, an 11-year-old, I'm jaded already, a New Yorker, I'm suspicious. And so I said, Dad, could you buy this pack of seeds? And Dad looked, 25 cents, yeah, sure, son. He picks it up, picks it up purchases it. And when I got home, I couldn't wait. I had a spot picked out in the yard. I took the little hand shovel and dug some seeds because I dug some holes. That, like, I read what the packet says. And I planted about six to eight of these plants. I covered them up. I watered them. And I looked. I stood there. And I didn't see any plants. <laughs> this thing is lying. And then when Monday rolled around, I went to school. I couldn't wait. I'm coming back. I got off the school bus. I'm running to the house. I looked, nothing. <laughs> I said, this is lying. And then I did the same thing every day for about another week, another two weeks. And in about 10, 12 days, I saw a little sprout. And I stood there aghast, slack-jawed. Wow. I still thought they were lying. I kid you not, about eight weeks later, there's this huge sunflower plant with a 12-inch diameter sunflower. It had to be staked and tied because it had fulfilled exactly what the packet said, that these seeds will grow sunflower plants six to eight to even ten feet in height in about eight weeks. What Paul tells us in Galatians 6 and verse 9 is what I experienced. Paul says, Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time, or I should say, at the later time, or I can say, at the seasonal time, or I can say, at the appropriate time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Paul was telling us, in essence, we reap later than we sow. I want you to know that God has a wonderful plan in store for you. You just have to believe His Word. His Word works. 
And God's word doesn't discriminate. His word works even for you as it does for me. I want you to see, as we look ahead to plant a big seed on the, on the weekend of December 5th, don't cry because of planting. Laugh and smile because of the coming harvest. We've learned four laws of sowing and reaping. Law number one, we reap because we sow. Law number two, we reap what we sow. Law number three, we reap more than we sow. And law number four, we reap later than we sow. May you be a recipient of the power of next year's harvest because of this year's seed. Let's pray together. Bow your heart with me. Father, thank you so much for the power of your word. Help each of us to have faith and to trust you for the things that we need to harvest in our lives that will plant seeds accordingly. In Jesus' name. I mentioned to you during my sermon that I'm going to give you a chance to pray with me to give your heart to Jesus. This is this chance. If you've never prayed before to invite Christ into your life, may I have the privilege of leading you into a relationship with God? He wants your heart and He wants to give you His forgiveness. Repeat after me this simple word of prayer. Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Capture my heart with your love. May I be a fully devoted follower of you in the way I live and in the way I dream so I can fulfill your calling on my life. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. On the screen in front of you, there's some information that I'd love to, for you to access. We have caring people standing by to serve you. Our heart is for you to grow as a fully devoted follower of Jesus. So just follow the prompt on the screen and you'll be able to get all the information that will help ground you in this decision you've just made to pray and to invite Christ into your life. God bless you. I look forward to our next time together.